Well, uh, I have to say it is good to be back here with you guys and it's good to be preaching up front with you. And uh, I've missed being here. I've missed being a part of it. I know we've had some great preachers along the way and uh, good to be back. So uh, as we dive in today, I thought we'd start out with just a couple of little summaries. All right. Uh, kind of like we did last time I had one of these surgeries. We're going to throw a little summary up, but different. Last time we did top three gross things that happened to me. We literally had two people pass out, one in each service. Did you know that? And, and all I was doing was describing it, man. It wasn't pictures. It wasn't me. It was their own mindset, and they put themselves in a little thing and passed out. So we won't go that way anymore. This time we're going to do top five thankful things. That sounds more godly, doesn't it? Top five thankful things. You know what? We'll just throw a picture up first. I had no idea John was throwing a different picture up earlier. So... uh That picture gives you a little idea of where we were headed. That was about 10 minutes before I went off to go have the uh, MRI and then the surgery. And so those things are meant to be like little GPS dots, right? And as they do the MRI, they figure out where the tumor is exactly and they can get right to where it is and not hit other important things on the way. You know what I mean? And uh, so that's uh, that was right before we were going off that morning and uh, we had spent some time together and prayed together and then... They put those dots on your head and then they wheel you around the hospital making you look like a fool. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, we went down and got that all taken care of. That was the picture. Uh, that's the only picture I'm going to show. Don't worry. It doesn't get bad from here. So uh, other things we're thankful for. Uh, good drugs. <laughs> Very thankful for that. And uh, let's just be real. Uh, the amount of pain that comes on after this, it's amazing what they can do with a little bit in your IV. And uh, it just makes it more tolerable in those first couple of days. And, and uh, it actually turned out by the time I was coming home, which was only a couple of days in, uh, I was only on uh, extra strength Tylenol. So uh, that's good. It's kind of amazing that you can go in and have them do that much inside of your head. For those of you who don't know, they went, they go up the nose and back through the walls and then up and take some skull out and then take the tumor back out and, and uh, do it that way. So that's how we got the tumor out. So all the scarring was inside. I know I had people coming up to me to say hi, and they're, they're doing this, <laughs> trying to look for wounds, you know, they're all inside. So, uh, but it's amazing what drugs can do, what medications can do. And, and uh, in fact, even uh, Friday, we had another chance to experience a little value of medication as they sprayed topical Novocaine inside my nose. They had to go in and check and make sure all was okay. And uh, just a little tip, don't have your wife in the room while they're going to do the check. It goes like this. He begins to check by going up your nose and man, they go far up. Okay. So he begins going up after the topical Novocaine is in and he just keeps going and going and going. And I'm kind of like, I think it's far enough. Right. Right. And I see my wife go like this. Not the most encouraging moment, not the most. But, uh, but it was a good time. Honestly, with the no- topical Novocaine and all, you barely feel it's, well, okay, you feel it. Uh, he's pretty far up in your head, man. You feel it. But, uh, but it's managed well, and we appreciate uh, the Lord's blessing on mankind with good medications, right? Uh, another blessing. Taste is actually kind of coming back, sort of-ish. Uh, I can taste burned things and bitter things. That's what I can taste right now. So sweet is only like if it's extremely, extremely sweet. And uh, so we gave that a shot. I got a shot at some Portillo's cake and uh, appreciate that and spent a little time trying to figure that out. A lot of bites of Portillo's cake. I I think I'm getting a little. I think I'm tasting it and 
get just a little bit of sweet here and there, um, mostly just burned and bitter. We went to a flat top grill and you pretty much start ordering for texture when you can't taste anything. So I was ordering all kinds, you know, putting all kinds of mixes in the bowl. And the only thing I could taste was the burn spots on the bread at flat top grill. That was kind of our experience there. So Lord willing, this will come around. The fact that we're already, that I'm already tasting is a big deal. That took probably closer to two to three months last time. So we're well on our way. God's blessing there. I'm sure someday I'll taste sweet again. Um, things to be thankful for. Great doctors, great nurses. And uh, I'm just telling you, the doctor who was doing the surgery was extremely careful, extremely thorough, did a phenomenal job. He was a sweet guy and, and uh, spent a lot of time with us making things clear and a lot of time being thorough. The surgery lasted, I don't even know, three hours, two to three hours, three hours. And uh, just spent a lot of time making sure it was clean and then even uh, Dr. Klaffenstein coming in afterwards and checking with him to make sure they got as much as they possibly could. And, and uh, so right now the statement would be all the tumor is removed. Uh, there is just a slight bit on the carotid, slight bit on the pituitary. Usually those just die off by not getting any blood supply. And uh, that's our prayer for that. If not, then you do a quick gamma knife hit with radiation and you're out of there. It's pretty small stuff. So we're in a really good spot, it looks like now. Praise God for that. Great doctors along the way who have managed this uh, right here locally in town. And we appreciate that. Nursing, uh, for all of you who are nurses, I love you. I cannot tell you how important it is to have good nurses in the midst of a tough struggle. And uh, we had some really sweet nurses who helped along the way. Uh, one nurse very specifically, our, the first night, I'm going to break up here. Um, the first night that uh, I was in the intermediate ICU and uh, Jonna was staying with me, I'm just, I'm just telling you, you're in a world of hurt. The, the room's spinning. They're trying to figure things out. They're trying to manage pain. Uh, this nurse, Kristen, just a total sweetheart and uh, just a phenomenal job. Managed the pain well. Uh, there's a nightmare that goes on when you get uh, brain surgery. You have to go in for an MRI at like 2 in the morning to check and make sure that everything's going okay. That trip stinks. And I'm telling you, you're getting driven down the hallway. They're going too fast. You want to cry. Just slow down, man. Like stuff's happened up here, you know, and, and they're getting you in and doing the MRI and the nursing is a part of that. And Kristen just did a phenomenal job in transitions and managing along the way. I can't say enough for how important uh, good nursing and good care is along the way. So much of a big deal. For those of you who do that for a living, uh, just be continuing to pour onto those people as you care for them. You have no idea how important you are. Just a big deal. So appreciate it. Um, number four, thankful things. Amazing friends and family. Uh, this church is phenomenal. You guys, you have no idea when you are in the middle of crisis how important it is to have people rally alongside. Uh, cards and phone calls and uh, people stopping by the house with food, uh, bringing meals or breads or, or sweets, which I'm sure tasted good. I have no idea. And, but uh, we had people helping out with uh, shoveling, getting the snow off the driveway, caring for my family while I was not allowed to pick up anything more than a few pounds. And, and uh, just so appreciate the rallying of this body around our family and around this church. The continued care has been phenomenal. And uh, we're just amazed and in awe of you guys. So much thanks to you for your love, for your care, and for your graciousness uh, in this past month. Just uh, cannot say enough. And uh, 
things to be thankful for. Uh, fast healing. Uh, God's done some things this time that he chose not to do last time. And like the medications were great, but uh, like hormones are all back and running and uh, no meds needing to be taken for that. And uh, we're just up and running. Energies have been great this week. God has just been continuing to bless along the way. So uh, our God is an awesome God. And uh, that's number six. Uh, We serve a powerful God and he is so worth worshiping. And all of God's people said, Amen. Man, it is great to be back with you preaching. And uh, today, we're going to start into a series, and it's called uh, Uncommon Community. Hey, man, a lot of people can rally together and they can make a community. But uh, this one we're talking about is an uncommon community, a uniqueness to it. And what about it today are we going to look at? Loving one another. What does that mean? What does that look like? What does that go like? How do we work through that? Loving one another. Turn with me, if you will, to First John chapter 4. We got ushers coming forward with Bibles in their hands, and they're going to be uh, passing those out. So as they pass Bibles down the road, just grab one if you need one there. And First uh, John 4 is where we're going, starting in verse 7. Uh, how can we love one another? What is the biblical call for loving one another, and what does it look like? All right, here we go. First point. Allow his presence and impact in your life to be on display through your love for others. Allow his presence and impact in your life to be on display through your love for others. All right, let's just jump in. We'll start in verse seven. It says, beloved, let us love one another for love is from God. Whoever loves God has been born of God and knows God. And anyone who does not love does not know God because God is is love. All right. These may be verses you've heard before. These may be verses that you know. Let's walk through them carefully. There might be a few things you can glean out of it. And uh, let's make sure we grasp this along the way. It starts out beloved. In fact, the word here in the original language, he's using the word agape, that type of love for God. And it's those whom I love. And he's got the word agape at the center of it. So the beloved, those whom I love with a divine love, right? Let us love one another. Notice it does not say love one another. It's not in the command form. It's not an imperative. It's actually a different variation in the original language. They call it the subjunctive form. It's in the, we should be doing this. This is something that doesn't just happen naturally. It, and it should be coming along. And let's make sure we go after that. He's, he's crying out for an obviousness that sometimes this ball gets dropped. And we need to not let it drop. Let us love one another. He says, for. Okay, when you see the word for in the scripture, make sure you pay attention. He's like, here's the reason why. Okay. And uh, for, it says, love is from God. Uh, To know our God is to know love. And as he lavishes it into our life, it's our job to be pouring it out to those around us. Don't just hog it to yourself, share it around. That's what he's saying. Uh, Love is being shared out from God. Let's make sure it gets shared around. He says, whoever loves, two things true now, has been born of God and knows God. Two things are true for those who love. They've been born of God. Everybody say that means saved, right? Has been born of God, saved, and knows God, okay? Saved and growing in him. Getting more of him, grasping who he is, getting the depth 
of who he is. You're knowing your God, not about your God. You're knowing your God. That means you're going through some tough circumstances and you're finding God real in the midst of it. That means you're wrestling with a passage of scripture and it's coming out before you and being revealed in a way you've never seen him before, knowing your God, okay? Those two put together, that's when love starts spilling over. Saved and knowing him, all right? You know, that's a big deal because, get ready, he says, anyone who does not love does not know God. Okay, we skim past this a little fast and we need to be careful. Notice it took two things to be able to love God, right? To be able to be saved, born of him, and know him. Look what it says it takes to not be loving. It says to not know him, right? So all it is is not knowing him. In other words, you can be saved, but... But you haven't spent time with and you haven't been experiencing and you haven't been living in a way with where God is becoming more and more real. You're getting to know him and your love is getting limited. Are you hearing it? Notice it does not say those who do not love. Well, they must not be born of him. Everybody say it doesn't say that. It doesn't say that. It means you can be saved and still be kind of poor at the love thing because you haven't been getting to know him living it out where he's becoming real it's a huge deal and uh he even goes one step further uh he says anyone who does not love does not know god because god is love to get to know the one who is love oh trust me you will begin to understand what it looks like to care for those around you okay and uh hang on i don't i don't know if i get that are you saying that, that like at some level, unbelievers don't really have a skill set in loving? Is that what we're saying? It, it says that those who don't love don't know God. And what are we saying? And we have to be careful with this to be able to explain it out. There are people who are unbelievers who, who seem very loving people. How does that work? How did that happen? I, I would just say it this way very simply. All right. And um, it goes like this. I've said this before a couple of times, but in Genesis one, God said, let us make man in what? In our own image. All right. By the way, a great little moment for the Trinity there in our own image. Let us make man in our own image. And then so as he goes to make man, it's like he's writing on a board, picture a whiteboard and he writes image of God and it's stamped onto man. Okay. And that's what we have. We have some semblance of God in us, not the greatness character traits of God. You know, like he knows everything. That's not what he gave us. Or, or you can be everywhere at once, right? Or you can do anything. Not those character traits. Those are the greatness character traits of God left to him alone. But the goodness character traits, a, a love element and an insightfulness and a creativity and a, those goodness character traits, image of God written onto man. Here's the problem. Sin comes in then and it's like taking your hand and wiping across that word. It doesn't totally erase it. But it really messes up being able to read it sometimes. You know what I'm saying? And so all of us are built in with that. As we're born, we have this image of God thing stamped on us where we, it's kind of messed up by sin, but still sort of there. And, and so there's a loving element, but it's certainly not divine. It's hurt and destroyed by sin in many regards. All right. When he says you need to be born of God and know God, he's saying this, 
there is a divine love that starts happening. He begins to fill back in image of God. It's getting filled in more and more as you know him and are born of him. What a privilege to know our God and to know his love. That's what he's talking about. Now he says uh, that God is love. And uh, in other words, man, to be around God is to be bathed in love. It's like saying, you know, well, I went to the ocean. I dove in. I swam around. The weird thing is I never got wet. Like, that's not possible, man. Right? right. I stood in the middle of a fire. Never got hot. That's not possible. And I know God and have been spending time with them. Love is not something I understand at all. That's not possible, man. That's what he's saying. All right. God is love. And to spend time with him is going to rock our world. And let's understand this love a little better. Three things that are true about love. These aren't the only three, but three pretty important things. All right. Three things that are true about love. Number one, it's, it's unconditional. Uh, there's a sense where it's unconditional. Love does not depend on the recipient's condition. God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, right? Love, it's unconditional and it's not dependent upon the recipient's condition. It's number two, it's selfless, selfless. Uh, love places uh, their needs before your own, selfless. You're looking out at a sea of need and you're placing your needs second and you're caring for them as you reach out. There's a selflessness. And number three, uh, it's eternal. Love never ends. Okay? That's divine love. It's pouring on in, a, in an unconditional, selfless, eternal sense. And um, it says here that uh, a couple things about it. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. Made manifest. Like this is how it was put on display. This is how God's love was showcased. Okay, he says in this is how it was made manifest among us. God sent his son into the world so that we might live through him. Two things. God sent his son, right? Giving what is not deserved. Everybody say that's grace. So God sent his son. That's grace. And then that we might live through him. Hang on. I thought the penalty of our rebellion, of our sin, of our trampling is glory. I thought the penalty of that was death. And yet he's giving life. That's right. He's withholding the punishment due, right? He's withholding a penalty. That's called mercy. Everybody say that's mercy. And so God's love on display as he gives his son, that's, and then he allows for life to be had where death should have been had. And that's his grace and mercy on full display through Jesus Christ and the privilege we have of grasping the love of God as we look further and further into his gospel and we see him loving on us along the way. Grace and mercy. It's a huge deal. And when he's like, I'm just telling you, your call is to love others. Grace and mercy. Like, what can I pour on of a blessing to them? Not that they earned it. That's not love, right? When they earn it and you just pay them, 
Like that's, that's not love. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about something else. It's not that they've earned it. You just lavish on because you're placing on them a value and lifting them up. You're caring for them. Grace or mercy. Well, punishments do here, but I'm actually withholding, right? And, uh, some of the most complicated interaction that we can have in relationship is trying to figure out the balance of life. And, um, I just wrote this down. I, I know this is not the main point of John. John's point is this, get out there and do some loving. And we're going to get back to that very fast. It's really important. Okay. Most of us err to the side of being very centered on truth, at least when it comes to everybody else. Right. Now, when it comes to me, I'm a pretty understanding guy about me. Right. We get into that mode, but truth, we got to deal with it. We got to have the, and we have to be careful with that. John's clear call here is grace and mercy. Let's get invested into it. Now, let me just say, when we deal with mercy, we have to make sure we're careful with it and how we deploy it out. We have to be cautious to it. So I just wrote this down. Mercy. How does it work? Um, Answer. I have no idea. I have wrestled so hard with this and I'm just telling you, I'm going to give you three great things to look at. It's a broader based answer. This is not a three-step process in general where it's deeply detailed. It's a broader sense of it to make sure we get our arms around it. So the number one thing, if you're going to dispense mercy well, it goes like this. You must know the heart of God. That's your first step. You must understand God's heart. Mercy is not just pardoning. Mercy actually cost God something, right? So he took the penalty on himself. That's a big deal. We got to understand that. That's a big part of God's heart in mercy. Grace, God loves pouring it on. He loves lavishing on. Here's another complication to it though. God disciplines those he loves, right? Some of the toughest decisions you will ever make as a parent is when to deploy discipline, grace, mercy, and trying to figure that all out. And uh, so that's what I'm saying. The top three things you can ask yourself. Number one is like, what's the heart of God? Okay. Make sure you grasp God's heart in the whole of it. It needs to include righteousness and holiness. And it needs to include grace and mercy. And all of those wrapped together, God's heart. Make sure you know the whole of them. Number two, uh, make sure you know your tendencies. Okay. You're either more than likely, you're either well bent to the truth side or you're well bent to the mercy side. You know what I mean by that? Like when you see somebody hurting, you either want to run in and say, let me just help. I don't care what's going on. I'm just going to help this get better for you. Or you're going to be the kind that runs in and goes, well, what did you do? Right? Those are the two sides of the coin. And in fact, both of those are valuable in their moment and they better be properly applied. And so know your tendency. And if your tendency is to be very truth centered, then challenge yourself to be shifting. And where should it be shifting? Ask yourself the tough question. Is now a time to run in and just be a great help? And maybe you just love to run in and help. Then challenge yourself. Should this be a time to be sharing some tough truth and calling them towards a higher discipline? All right? Know your God's heart. Know your tendencies. And number three, um, this is the best way I could say this, know their fruits. I'd love to say know their heart, but... You don't even barely know your own heart, Jeremiah 17. How can you possibly know theirs, right? And so you're going to have to know by watching fruits. 
And if you're seeing problems coming out, if you're seeing issues at hand, you're working with your child or whatever, you're a teacher at school and you're working and, and you're seeing these entitlement moments. Well, I don't have to do anything. You just need to do for me. Right. And you're seeing it begin to create a character problem in them. It's time to be saying, well, we probably need to move a little bit over towards some truth side. Okay. Be very careful with that. Be very wise to that. Parents, if you deploy mercy before you've made clear what's right and wrong, you're going to have a very real problem on your hands in the long run, right? So it's getting some things clear and then there's times for mercy and times for grace and you have to be wise to that and may God lead you as you go. And if you have questions, feel free to call into pastoral staff and we can wrestle through it with you, okay? This is not an easy one and done type answer. Um, So let's just say this. Too much mercy or mercy wrongly employed can become enablement. And I just wrote this for enablement. Enablement. It's when repeated mercy decisions prevent consequences from ever teaching. Repeated mercy decisions prevent consequences from ever teaching. Okay? There's a point where if you keep holding back the consequences and don't ever let it touch them, you're letting them begin to form a wrong view of their world or their God. And you're getting in the way. Be very careful. That's all I want to say about it. I want to be cautious. I'm putting a little bound on it because we're not just going to camp out for seven weeks. I know John doesn't put that camp in here, that limitation in. And so let's just be moving on. All right. But the bottom line is there is some bounding. Now that's the end point. On the other side, we're usually standing in a point where John's like, it's time guys. Let's engage in some grace and some mercy. Let's bring some serious love to this place that God might be known. All right. And uh, notice it says next, not, everybody say not, not, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Isn't it amazing how often we make ourselves the measuring stick, right? And John's like, "Uh uh-uh, you're not the measuring stick. Your love is a little soft and a little weak and a little misapplied. And let's not measure you by you. Let's measure by God himself. And uh, he's like, it's, it's the love of God. He sent his son, grace, to be the propitiation for our sins, mercy. And uh, beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. And uh, huge privilege to be able to know God and to know his love and to have it spill into our lives. I love this. It says, no one has ever seen God. In fact, in the original language, the wording goes, God, no one has ever seen. Right? In the Greek, they lead the word. Which words lead are the ones that are most important. And so no one has ever seen God turns around to say, God, no one has ever seen. And they're speaking very clearly here to God the Father. And I actually wrote a couple verses down just to get some clarity on it. Um, when we're speaking here, uh, he talks about in John 6, 46, no one has ever seen the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father, right? Jesus has been seen. It's fair to see Jesus, the Son of God, has been seen. But God, the Father, no one has ever seen. And, and that's what's being spoken of here when he says no one has seen God. It doesn't mean we can't know love and it doesn't mean we can't know God. We have Jesus Christ in the flesh right in our world. Living it out, changing everything that we might taste 
of his love. That's our God. Uh, Simple question. Do you know that God? Man, this message is simple. Jesus Christ, he is what love is all about. And that's not just deep. Pulling it back. It's not just deep. That's that's gospel deep. We spent a year and a half in there on Romans at different times walking through and the depth of the gospel and it changing every facet of who we are. Stop. Take a deep breath and get to know your God. He'll rock your world. And uh, love, it puts on display who our God is. I can just tell you this past month, uh, we saw it all over the place as you guys lovingly cared for us. And when I went in for surgery, Jana went in that morning and was sitting in the recovery or in the waiting room for uh, the better part of, well, actually it ended up about nine hours with the whole thing. And uh, three or four hours there, and then the, they didn't have rooms. There was a lot of busyness going on in the, o, in the OSF uh, stuff. So I sat in the recovery room for about six hours. And um, so John was in the waiting room, and there was a ton of people that had stopped in at different times. And I don't even know the number. I'll just make up a number now. 15 to 20 that were there. I didn't make that up. She told me. <laughs> and... Uh, So 15 to 20 people in there throughout the day and somebody actually came in and brought in lunch and just said, hey, I figured there'd be some people here. Just wanted to provide this for you guys. And they were laughing together and talking together. And there were times where Jonna was feeling the weight of it and just kind of separated away and someone would come over and put their arm around her. And and in the midst of the process, there was actually another family there. And I got an email from them when I was at home and they said, I just want you to know we were in the waiting room while people were there for you waiting I am just stunned with the love in your church. That's you guys. I am just stunned by the care that went on. And at some point, your wife actually came over and was talking to me and asking a few questions and getting our story. She invited us to come over and have lunch with them because there was some you know, extra food there. Hey, why don't you come be with us and just take some of this? And, and so they partook of that and just great little connection that was made. And she ended up going back to another state, but her statement was, wow, got it work. And uh, that's what it looks like to love in this world. It is not to make much of us, but that when much is brought like, what's going on there? You go, I'm just telling you, you got to meet my God. I'm just telling you, you should see who he is. And and we have a trust in him and we are rallying around each other. And my God has poured it on for me. And I can't wait to share a little of who he is with the rest of this world. May God be glorified. And all of God's people said, that's the call. Simple question for you. Have you been born again? Have you trusted your savior, Jesus Christ? And made him Lord. Have you begun to take next steps and get to know him? The depth of who he is and his riches and in his sharing with you. Stunned by all that he's doing. Taking step by step journey. Knowing your God. It all starts there. Next question. Do you know someone who's hurting? 
Is God placing upon you someone in your family, someone in this body, maybe it's a neighbor in your neighborhood, someone who's in a world of hurt. Lord, help me be wise in how to bring your grace and your mercy to bear. May you be made much of in this world. Teach me, Lord. Really get that name. Seriously, if we walk out of here with no name and we're like, oh yeah, love one another. What a great plan, right? Then the first thing we do is we go back to our regular every day and we drop it. Who's God calling you to reach out to? Get the name. You might be like, I'm tapped. I don't have a name. Great. Lord, show me this week. Who, Lord, can I be reaching out to that you might be getting the greater glory? All right? That's the first step. Second. It says uh, here, confess Jesus as the Son of God. Abide in his perfect love. He will empower you to love others. Confess Jesus as the Son of God. Abide in his perfect love. He will empower you to love others. We'll move a little quicker through this part of it. But uh, he says here, by this we know that we abide in him. By this we know, not by this we think, by this we have an inkling, we're taking a guess, right? Not that, everybody say not that. By this we know that we abide in him. All right, how do I know if I abide in him? He answers it with some answers here now. He says, by this we know, because he has given us of his spirit, his Holy Spirit taking up residence in your life, the Holy Spirit stirring in you, Maybe it's happening within a Sunday morning service as you're here for worship and the songs come up and a line is being sung and you're just so rocked with what that means about your God and all of a sudden the Spirit is pressing in on that's who we are in your life, right? And the Spirit moving within you. Maybe it's a time when you feel more than all alone. You've been train wrecked with hurt and in the middle of it, Something comes through, either a soft voice convincing, either a reading of his scripture, a friend that comes along at just the right time, and God's wrapping his arms around and making it clear, you are loved. Holy Spirit taking up residence in our lives and making an impact. He is our comforter, our leader, our guide. He convicts us of sin and righteousness. This is the passion of God at work in us. And uh, the Holy Spirit... He, everybody say he, everybody say he again, all too often, I'm not even going to say the word, I hear the impersonal pronoun used there, I'm not going to say which one it is, he, the Holy Spirit at work in our lives, okay, big deal, and uh, we know because he has given us of his spirit, and we have, second one here, we have seen and testified that the father sent the son to be the savior of the world, Jesus Christ in this world, evidence of God at work, and we have seen and we're testifying. I'm telling you, when you are stirred to begin to share about the passion of Christ, when you are, this word testify here in the original language, it's built off the word martyr. Like sharing and willing to share at a cost, okay? I'm willing to confess and testify this, and when you're in that moment, trust me, you're abiding in him, making much of your God. And uh, another proof, it says, seen and testify that Jesus was... Uh, sent to this world as Savior. Next, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, 
God abides in him and he in God. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God. Man, if you're in a spot where you're like, absolutely, he is in charge. That's my God. That's abiding in him. A confidence in who Jesus Christ is. Not just words on the lips, but actions following through. When Christ has something to say about how you should live or wear, that's more important than how you feel. Jesus is the son of God. He is Lord in my life. He is in charge. That's abiding in him and him in you. And then it says, uh, after it, not only Jesus uh, and confessing him as a son of God, it says, so, and uh, this is a nice turning the corner point, right? So uh, we're answering the next question now. What do we have if we abide in him? So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. We've come to know and believe the love that God has for us. You will have an ever increasing confidence of God at work in your life as you abide with him and get to know him. If you are in a moment in your life, everybody please hear me now. If you're in a moment in your life where it's darker and it's tougher and you're just not sure, it's time to set everything down, including all the distractions and camp on Jesus, his realness and him God in your life. It says right here, the first thing that comes is a belief and a confidence that he is there and loving you. Next, it says God is love. We've already covered that once. It doesn't say God is loving. It doesn't say God contains love. God equals love. Love equals God, right? Are you seeing it? Absolutely true. God, love, one and the same. Always true, okay? God is love. Whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. And then he says this, next proof that we're uh, abiding in him or the next benefit. By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because as he is, so also are we in this world. That you may have confidence in the day of judgment. I want to be very clear here. If you believe in Jesus Christ, saved. If you are knowing him in that regard, trust me now, scripture says very clearly, there is no judgment. You hearing that? Romans 8, 1, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who love him, right? If you believe in Christ, no condemnation, no judgment. In fact, here's another one, John 5, 24. Whoever believes him who has sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has life. I don't know, Tim, I've I've read around and I see this judgment thing being talked about and be very careful. There's those who don't trust Christ and then there's something going on for those who do. And, and so here it is. There's the judgment piece going to believers. First Corinthians three verses 12 to 15. This is the only judgment we'll ever stand under as believers. It says that our selfish works, our works will be evaluated and the selfish ones will be burned up, but you will be saved even as through fire. Salvation, but the works are being looked at. The only judgment we stand before is a, you know, an opportunity for God to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. And that one was more about you there. 
You know what I'm saying? And at the end of it, the works are either rewarded or gone and you are saved. Confidence to stand before him. And uh, well, what's my confidence based on? If my works can be burned up and look what it says right after it. He tells us what our confidence should be based on because as he is, so also are we in this world. He literally is saying, I will treat you as Christ. I've declared you righteous. His good works are now being applied to you. And that's what you count on, Jesus Christ. Our salvation is in him. Our future is in him. Judgment is gone. He rewards us for a work. That's it. I'm telling you, the reward is a knit move on. It's not the main point. Life with your Savior and worshiping him with all you've got. And a confidence of what's going on with it. And a huge deal. Everybody say it's a huge deal. Yeah. Some of you are like, oh, that's a huge deal. That's a huge deal. It's not dependent on me. My God has this. And he's treating me as he would treat Christ. That's where my confidence lies. Praise be to God. And uh, he then says, we love because he first loved us. Do you realize how lame that is? Notice it doesn't say we love because we're loving people. We love because it's just within us and we just, it doesn't say that. It says we love because that's us. Our love is sourced in something outside of us. And that's why we need to know the one who is love. If we're going to actually have a divine love. We love him because he first loved us. As God pours it in, he changes our lives and we literally begin to taste of love divine love for the first time it says if anyone says i love god and hates his brother uh, well he's a liar for he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love god whom he has not seen and uh, we need to become better at displaying the love of our god john's like i'm calling you out man don't give me the, I know the one who is love, but it just never affected me. I've been swimming in the ocean. I'm just not wet. And uh, we can't be there. It's time for us to say, God, may I truly understand you. And uh, huge, huge opportunity. Now, I jumped over a piece here and I want to come back to it now that we understand the love piece. Notice what it says. Perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment. Perfect love casts out fear. Best illustration I can give you for it is imagine that a, a bucket is filled with some liquid like water or something and you begin to pour a heavier liquid in and it goes to the bottom of the barrel and it just starts filling up from the bottom up and it just starts putting that lighter liquid. It pushes it out, all right? That's what he's talking about. You're filled with something, fear, and he begins to pour in that love and it goes to the bottom and fills from the bottom up and pushes it out. No fear where love exists. In fact, it says fear has to do with punishment. In the original language, it says fear holds torment. Like, the, like I'm holding this Bible. It literally means as you fear, you are hurting yourself. Fear holds torment. It worries about tomorrow. It puts an emphasis on tomorrow with me having to own it. And uh, I just wrote this about fear. Uh, fear, tomorrow's struggles 
without God's love? Fear. And uh, faith, tomorrow struggles with God's love. Fear or faith? By the way, that's the title of the women's ministry that they're walking through, Faith Over Fear. And uh, Lord, may we please become adept at putting down our fears, picking up our trust in you, letting your love rock our world and going after it with all we've got. Uh, What a privilege we have in him to uh, not have to walk through this world on our own, but walk through it with him. In the end, he says, uh, this is the commandment that we have from him. Whoever loves God must love his brother also. And uh, simply this, may we know the God who is love and may he shatter the old way of living. May he leave you with something you've never tasted of before. Maybe you're in the middle of crisis. Maybe you're in the middle of a pain you cannot explain you've never shared with anyone. It's time to hand it to your God. Maybe you've never trusted him before and called him Lord. Maybe you've never actually dug deep and said, Lord, it's time for me to know you. Hear me. Perfect love casts out fear. God, may I be done fearing in this world. And may I be on with worshiping you, my king. And all of God's people said, that's the call. Loving one another. I'm telling you, I've been in a lot of churches that have preached love over the years. I've even preached it myself where you accidentally get stuck on this. Come on, you guys. Muster it up. Do something. And uh, everybody say, that's lame. Couldn't be worse. Love is a great call, but it starts with the love of our God. And him pouring into us And as we dive into the ocean of his love, he will rock your world and change your skill set so that you begin to love like never before. Lord, help me know your grace. Lord, help me know your mercy. That's our prayer this week. Let's pray.